I'm way into feet stuff but you fucking think i'm weird this relationship is actually all about me and you fulfilling my fantasy i don't even know what feet stuff really is bring sex workshops to the workplace (laughs) the social psycho confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. I wanted to ask you about aliens. Oh, okay. Do you think they're real? This could be like not a segment at all, but I was listening to this Joe Rogan podcast where they were talking about aliens and all this UFO stuff, and they were talking about a lot of high up people who were saying that the stuff that's been released is not even the most interesting stuff that they have evidence of. And they were like, obviously not all UFOs are aliens, but they're like definitely some portion of the UFOs or whatever they're calling them now, sightings that seem to be otherworldly life or at least aren't conventionally explainable. I I personally do not think that there are aliens. Mm. At least, if you look up, try to find a picture, a, a video, anything of like UFOs, Bigfoot, cryptids, any of that stuff. Nothing is really convincing, first of all, which is surprising. If you, if it's out there, but that's fine. Whatever. Maybe there's something about them that makes them difficult to capture on video or whatever. <laughs> Uh, which is what people will probably say. Like Bigfoot m- must have some superpower. He like is radioactive or has some EMF field that deactivates your cell phone. I don't know, but I just I just don't think any of it's real. I think that it's, I think it's all part of a psychological operation. I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know if it's just to keep military mm. stuff under wraps. If it's to control people. If it's to get ready for Project Blue Beam. And to have the fake alien invasion that they've been talking about forever, you know, I don't know. But I also don't think we went to the moon. At least what we saw, as far as like the evidence presented to us that we went to the moon, I don't, I don't buy it. Hmm. It's just not, there's too many questions. So, and I've heard people say that that's like, that's Russian propaganda. Like the Soviets didn't want people to think that Americans really did it. They couldn't get to the radiation. But like, so a lot of the arguments, it's all just, it's too, there's so much that it could, like people's whole lives are dedicated to UFO stuff. There's literally people that call themselves ufologists. So clearly it's a life consuming endeavor if you want to get to the bottom of it. Now, people do have experiences that are weird, I think. And I don't know. Again, I haven't like documented them. I don't have like a binder full <laughs> that I can look at. I just You're not a ufologist or whatever it is. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I think there's so much in this realm of ufology and aliens mm. that there's probably multiple because there's so many angles and there's oh, there's multiple like are there craft that the government has developed that people sometimes come across or see and they get logged down as a UFO experience? How is that? How couldn't that be true? 
Like, of course it is. Experimental, like sure, Lockheed yeah, Martin's yeah. testing some kind of drone, whatever you see. So that's probably a piece of it. There could, is there like a UFO from outer space somewhere here? I doubt it. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, well, that's what they were saying. I think a lot of it is explainable either by, you know, high-tech military craft or just, you know, other explainable kind of conventional reasons. But yeah, there's some subset of unexplainable cases. And yeah, I guess I don't know what I think either. I'm hesitant to believe in the aliens. Um, I'm hesitant. I do think, though, what it strikes me as is like kind of like psychedelic experiences. Like people will say, I saw something. The The machine elves. The machine elves or like the creature with a thousand faces or a thousand hands or arms or there's all sorts of weird things people see. I think they call them uh, like beings. They're, they call them something. There's like people who talk about this. Like there's been a conference like Dennis McKenna kind of people go to conferences to talk about like who are or what are these things. There's extraterrestrial, which is like terrestrial, meaning like from another land almost like from another planet. Hmm. And then, I mean, we literally call like illegal immigration like aliens. I mean, so there's that understanding. Then there's another whole group of people out there that think it's extra dimensional creatures, like from another dimension or realm Mm. or something like that. That's very different. Interesting. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Dichotomy. But uh, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. That's what some of the biggest UFO researchers come to that conclusion that there's they're not coming from some other place they're coming from like a different realm like there's something i think jacques valet is one of the guys who is into that theory who's like super high level researcher in this regard french guy that's really famous and i'm pretty sure his whole thing is extra dimensional like Mm. he thinks there's definitely something He's like, I don't think they're aliens from another land or another planet. He's like, I think they're, I think he's basically like, there's, it's just, you can't discount that people have these experiences at the level and scale that they have them. Right, right. But, but we, he does not know. I mean, there's probably, that view is probably more, is like border borderline Jungian or something. You know what I mean? Like there's That's, some. Yeah. What I was kind of thinking is that there seems to be some component Like, I was kind of reading it. Like, there are experiences that people are having that do seem difficult to explain away. Like, either this person is telling a lie and all these people are lying, which seems unlikely. So they're telling you something. What about near-death experiences? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. So they're telling you something. Yeah, people that die on the table. Right. And then they're like, well, I was dead, but I was still here. And I was actually in the corner over there, and I <laughs> saw this all happening from a yeah. third. And you're like, "What? Like what? That's like in medical literature, and they don't know. They just chalk it up to brain activity. But that's wild. Like that is that's all to me. That's like extra dimensional. Like I don't know what that is, but it's crazy, right? So I think yeah, people are having some sort of perceptual experience. Now, I don't know how it maps onto reality. Like, I I guess my inclination is not to believe that people literally perceived these things in the way that they describe them or that those things are literally real or true, Um, but that maybe they 
it was a conscious experience and it represented something, but it wasn't literal. And maybe it was metaphorical, maybe it was symbolic, maybe it was a hallucination of sorts. Um, because like they, yeah, I mean, people have like, I mean, you could just pass, you know, uh, people on the street, you know, who are homeless sometimes and they have all sorts of weird visions and say weird things and say they see weird things. And obviously that doesn't have a correspondence to your reality, or at least, you know, if you take that as the objective reality, but they are experiencing something. Um, and it does have meaning, I think, like, I don't think it's not real just because you don't see or experience whatever they are experiencing. Um, but I don't think it means like aliens, like little people from another planet. I had a, I had an experience once. I don't know if mom remembers this. I feel like I asked her and she did say this. I, a couple of exper- experiences that I'll tell about. We were driving and I, I was, I don't know. We were both in the front two seats, driver and passenger. I know me and mom were in the car in the front. And we were driving on the highway, 400. And something went like that, just went woof. Like what? And I was like, did you... S- it just like came, it just like came into the field of vision. Seemed like it went across our field of vision and then was gone. Hmm. And it did not seem exceptional to me at all. But I was like, "Did you see that? Like, what was that?" And she's like, "Yeah, I saw that." And I was like, "That was weird. Like, it didn't look like it's not like I looked. I was looking away. I was looking out the window. Hmm. So it's not like a piece of paper. I don't know what it was. I don't. I never gave it any weight, but I." I've always, I've just remembered it for my whole life. This was like years and years and years ago. And I don't know what that was. I saw it. Mom saw it. She didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. I have no extra information on that at all. Mm-hmm. But another experience that I had was, and I we should ask her because I bet you she remembers that. Not mm. that it was a big thing, but I just have a feeling she'd remember. We're bringing you know, mom on the pod. Th- That's right. Another thing that happened was I did uh I used to do salvia mm. more than a little bit. Okay, so tell <laughs> people what salvia is. Salvia divinorum cuz there's you can buy things called salvia at like Home Depot or Pike flower stores. It's not the same thing. Salvia divinorum is this vining thing, but it is related to the salvia. It's in that family. The sage family. Mint. Oh, it's related to like, I think it's related to mint. I'm pretty sure. And mint and sage may be in the same family. I can't remember. They don't, I don't remember, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's in the mint family. Mints. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So, Oh, wait, so salvia, it's the largest genus of plants in the sage family. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. Which is mints. Okay, got it. Yeah, so I knew there right. was a connection like there. That. <laughs> so I had a couple experiences on that that were really crazy. Three that I can remember like off the top of my head. One, I was but in the But this used to be a legal drug oh, that you would yeah. smoke like marijuana, kind of the leaves. Kind of, yeah. So you could, and you could get this extract that was kind of like, so it's, let's, you could just say it's like the equivalent of like pot would be like, you could buy that, the leaves. 
mm-hmm. versus like whatever kids do these days, wax the or oil something. Oil or whatever, or yeah. Stuff you smoke one hit and you're like schizophrenic forever. <laughs> so they had that version and that's what I would always get. Mm. It was this extract stuff. It's a little overkill, let's say. So I've never done DMT, but I'll tell you that salvia divinorum is like... I think it's a hundred times, like, I don't know who did this math or how they figured it up, but they say it's like a hundred times more psychoactive or more intense than LSD. But when you smoke it, it's very quick and there's a chemical in it. It's not DMT. It's sal, salvinorin A or something like some, there's a researcher out there, this one guy that like really researched the crap out of the stuff. And I had, so I was in the back seat of a Volkswagen bug. Somebody was driving and I was in the back seat and me and the back seat passenger smoked it. And then the oil or the leaves, the, the extract, which looks mm. like leaves kind of, to be honest, so the, I bet the it really is intense leaves. stuff though. It's like sprayed leaves. Like they put, they oh. extract it from some, use leaves, put it on in a concentrated manner on this like smokable stuff. It's like flakes. I don't know. It, can, it would literally come in like a half dollar size container, like very flat and very small. You do a little tiny, tiny pinch of it and just light that thing up with a torch and smoke it. And in five seconds, you're done. So I was in the back seat, me and this chick. And it's not, the stories don't sound as crazy as they felt. Like they felt unbelievably wild. And I can describe a salvia trip in general, but I'll give you these few examples first because this is not the norm, but it happened enough that it was like, whoa, it's this, you can almost reliably create this experience. And there's a word for it and I don't know it, but it'll come to me in a second and I'll blurt it out. But me and this person in the backseat hit this stuff. We're going down the highway. And all of a sudden, we're giggling and laughing. And we're like, oh my God, Kayla is the girl in the front seat. Mm. Lori is who I'm hanging out with. And I'm like, I go, oh my God. Because Kayla was talking to us. <laughs> you guys, what are you guys doing? What? Why are you doing that in my car? Oh my God. <laughs> I start tripping balls and i'm like but i don't feel anything really ultimately the feeling that i had was that kayla the driver who has not smoked any salvia that she was high on salvia (laughs) that was my trip okay so i'm like oh my god (laughs) kayla's tripping balls while she's driving oh my god and i look over to Lori, and she's like grabbing me And she's like, oh, my God, Kayla is tripping balls. And we're both sitting back there thinking we're totally sober and that Kayla is hardcore tripping on salvia (laughs) while driving us down the road. We think it's hilarious. Like The exact opposite of what's going on. Oh, my God. Like we it is. So the whole trip, all the trip was for us, like the hallucination, all the whole experience was just that we weren't high and that. Kayla was high. That was the whole experience. It's crazy. Like, I don't even know how to describe 
that feeling because mm. we didn't feel it before it kicked. You know what I mean? Like it kicked in and we're like, oh my God, it kicked in for you, but you didn't do it. I don't know what we thought, how she got it, or, you know, got high. I mean, so what was happening, and I've got two other stories that are more persuasive, but what was happening is that we were having a collective experience. Kayla was not, but me and Lori, because when you smoke salvia, one possibility is that you just go into like a stupor or that you think you're a hamster or mm. you go into a different dimension or any number of crazy experiences that you can have. So why didn't I have one type and she have another? You were having a shared hallucination, as they say, or whatever. A very ex explicit one. Yeah. Where where the trip was that we weren't tripping and that she was tripping. Hmm. And how did we both have that experience while... Salvia is not like mild in mm -hmm. the slightest. It's extremely potent. Like sure. this e extract stuff was would make you unbelievably high. Like the hallucinations are unbelievably intense. The most yeah. intense drug experience I've ever had in my life is salvia. Oh, and anyone who's tried it will tell you that. Well, the they say that about experience. LSD and mushrooms too. Like there is a phenomena researchers are interested in studying like the shared hallucinations like because they can cause you to hallucinate but what's even weirder is that they can people can hallucinate the same things which is a little bit of a conundrum like how is that happening yes so another time i was sitting in somebody's backyard on some lawn chairs we were kind of and we just like kind of made a circle i don't think there was a campfire in between us but it was like that kind of circle you know where we're all just like somehow formed like a circle on these chairs and different. <laughs> it was like, that kind of circle. <laughs> you know, we we're just hanging out in the middle of the day. This is when I was like homeless, I think. And we smoked some salvia. And so we passed the little smoky thing around the circle. And like, there's maybe 10 people, maybe, maybe four or five smoked it. And the rest were like, no thanks. Us who hit it, start it starts kicking in and we're like whoa and somebody goes do you see that and i'm like yeah dude and it was this orb in the middle of the circle and so someone's got their legs crossed one over the other and they're just wiggling their foot you know how people do bouncing their foot on their, mm -hmm. on their leg anyways so we're seeing so this orb starts to grow all the people who are not tripping are like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? We're like, oh my God, it's getting so big. It's getting bigger. And it gets so big, this orb, that it starts touching us. And we all simultaneously go like this. We start leaning back and leaning back and leaning because it's pushing us away. We're all getting pushed back, except for the people who didn't smoke it. And we're all like, oh my God, that's so crazy. And I look over to this guy who's wiggling his foot who didn't smoke salvia and I'm like it's him he's doing it and his foot wiggling up and down was somehow creating this orb that was simultaneously and we're all like this like rubbing our like our arms are outstretched because like, it's pushing us all back like you can't keep your arms forward and we're all like rubbing this big orb I mean crazy and this these are types of experiences that piss me off because I'm like, why did I not investigate that at the time? Like, 
because the sensation was we all had the same experience and we knew we did. But I don't, did we? It really, really, really appeared that we did. But how could you really know? So I wish I could would have asked like what would, or I w- at least met, remembered like what that discussion afterwards was, because mm. it was so freaking real. Now then another guy was like that looked wild. I want to hit it. He hit it without anybody else. He got a really freaked out look on his face. He stood up. And the woods were behind us, and he just walked away. And we were like, what the fuck is going on? People, I think there was some weed going on, so people were stoned. You know, Otherwise, we would have maybe done a little bit more. But he just walks off. Bye. And somebody eventually is like, I got to go find him. And they get up, and they go for a long time. And they finally find this guy, and they walk back. And he's like, I don't know what happened but there was a rope around my waist and it was just pulling me out into the woods. So totally different. Five seconds later, hit it by himself. Totally different experience. A hundred couldn't have been more different. He had a rope around his waist and he was being pulled away and he had to go a a half mile into the woods. Super strange, but that collective experience stuck with me. Now the third one, this might've been the most intense experience I've ever had on any drug ever and I was this is the kind of life I lived we were in the front side yard of my friend's house kind of in a little bit of a wooded area and he had so you've ever seen a pickup truck where the bed has like a little dome like it's enclosed like they put a thing on top it's still a bed back there like a pickup truck bed but this cap that goes over the bed and makes the bed interior like in like closed in one of those had been taken off of a pickup truck and set on some cinder blocks and we had climbed under it and we're sitting on some buckets underneath there i don't know why because we were young and we couldn't be caught doing drugs that's why (laughs) so we me and this kid hit this stuff and there's again multiple people who are not on the stuff they're just watching. I'm like, I'll do it with you. It's fine. So we hit it. He starts it's freaking fine. out. It's fine, dude. So he starts tripping out bad. He's like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, I'm scared. Help me. Oh, my God. I don't know what, what's going on. I'm having a crazy experience. And I'm totally, I'm like zeroed in on this guy. Like, extremely zeroed in on this guy like i'm in his world whatever's going on and there's like visuals like there's like stuff floating around i i don't know like just random shit like it was just super weird like stuff is going on and i'm having a really intense trip myself and it's a little overwhelming to me also but i'm so zeroed in on this guy that i'm like i gotta get past this and my body feels like you know those things you cut a deviled uh, boiled egg with they like has all those wires in it and you just push it down so and it cuts it all into the boiled egg it's like my body that had happened to it from the head to the feet was all in slices and then i was like shifting around like oh all the it's all they're all shifting around at different times and i'm just like whoa like oh i can i'm really God. kind of tripping out 
But this guy is in a bad way. He's like, he starts crying. It's like not good. And I'm like, I will help you get out of here. You have to follow me. And I start like waving my hand around. I'm like holding his hand, I think. And I have my hand like this. I'm just like waving it back and forth. Probably because my body is all shifty. And I start at his feet. Right? And I, I'm like doing this back and forth, back and forth, just waving my hand at him. Waving, 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 waving. And I just keep waving all the way up. I'm like, are you coming with me? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, okay, we're going to come out of this. And I'm just like waving and waving and waving all in front of his body like this until I get to his head. And I'm like, okay, are you okay? And he's like, I'm better. And he got up and he walked away. And I was like, like it worked. Whatever I did, like worked. Hmm. I Part of the trip. I don't know. But then he was fucked up for like a week or two. Like whatever experience he had was so intense for him that it was like life altering. Mm. But that was another example of like this wild interaction between us. I don't know what that was. And uh, anyways, those are just three of the collective hallucinatory trips that I had on that. I've had other experiences on Salvia that were not like that. Always intense, but just could be wild and different. Like I had a friend mm. that did it. She thought she was a hamster. She was running on a wheel in the hallway. <laughs> she was just going, Ooh. I'm like, what are you doing? So different things, but uh, yeah, weird, right? Like, I, I don't know what that is. That's weird. I, uh, I don't but know. Like, it reminds me of music though. You know, when you're like mm. listening to music with somebody maybe and because mm. there's nothing worse than the feeling. So you put on some music for somebody like, listen to this song and you put it on real loud and turn the bass up and you're like, oh my God, is this not amazing? And you look over and they're like text, like looking at their phone or something. You're like, what are you fucking doing? Listen to this song. It's amazing <laughs> because you know, you can have this experience with someone where you're like, holy shit, this is unbelievable i feel like we had the experience maybe on that song that had alan watts mm -hmm. on the background you know where you're just like what the fuck this song is amazing you know we were both like this is amazing Damn. the overthinker it's a song yes. good song with alan watts so i don't know yeah I don't know. I don't know there's something interesting a couple things one is like i'm tempted to like psychoanalyze some of what you described um because you're a psychoanalyst, an yeah. analyzer. <laughs> two, yeah. The thing that's interesting is synchronous experience, just in general. Like, because I mean, you can say like it's weird that people have shared hallucinations, which is sure that is weird. But it's also like you could just extend that to say it's weird when ever people are having such a synchronous experience. Um, and I've had that experience on, um, can I reveal that I've done that drug? Um, MDMA. <laughs> on the podcast. When I did MDMA, beep. Um, I, Joe Rogan says it. I mean, it's like, they could just bust in any time. I don't know what the fucking problem is. He's clearly sitting on a mountain of DMT, MDMA, psilocybin, yeah, and marijuana, so. I don't know how I'm I, don't, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> that is. Um, 
But I had, yeah, just a very intense, visceral, synchronous experience uh, with someone. And, like, in a way, we were experiencing the same things. Like, you barely Who was it? Was this just a friend or something? With my partner, Michael. Oh, right. Okay. And just, like... I can't wait to ask you what his experience was because I feel like after the fact you would probably describe it differently. But yeah, go ahead and tell tell us your version. Well, yeah, I just felt like it just. I mean, this is gonna sound dumb. It just felt like a love sort of experience. But uh, well, I mean, very... lots of people. Ha- that's how people describe it. I've never done it. Yeah, yeah. It was like I felt like one of the realizations, cognitive thoughts that I had during the experience was like, oh, this is what God is. Like, this is what, because I was raised Christian, we were raised Christian, and people would talk about the feeling of God, and people would even have sort of weird kind of wild experiences when they get saved or whatever. We come from the branch of Christianity that experiences the Holy Spirit. Yeah, speaks in tongues. Go look that up if you don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I was like, this is what I think people are experiencing. This is the kind of overwhelming, overpowering, like, just good kind of feeling uh, that people are, are talking about. Um, and that was the weird part about the that experience, particularly, was that it felt like something, like it was recognizable. Like, and I think that's lost on people like I who like don't do psychedelics or have never done them that like you're going to hallucinate and it's going to just be something totally alien to you. And maybe it it might be, but for at least definitely can be, you might get sliced into a boiled egg. You might get sliced into a boiled (laughs) egg. You might feel very, uh, uh, That's definitely the intro com, uh, clip though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, it was something that I recognized, like the feeling that I was having. I was like, oh, like it was like this is always present. It's just as if I singled it out or I really amplified this part of my experience. And so that was a very interesting. That's the profound part of it to me is that. It wasn't like disconnected from your everyday life, but that it was um, something that was very integrated with your everyday life. Um, it's but weird anyway. that the lizard people haven't made this fully legal because you. it's like um, Aldous Huxley's Soma, you know, like the thing that the people take every day to feel good, you know, so they can just be... Because I feel like the... Like nothing. So like, obviously you didn't take it and then win the lottery and have a life changing alteration (laughs) that made everything different. You just took it and everything was the same, but you felt better. Yeah. It did change my life. Yeah. I mean, I would describe it. Yeah. I would describe it like psychologically, you could think about pivotal moments in people's life in their narrative. Like when people write narratives, if you say like write a narrative about your life, the people will pick out very pivotal moments and this would be one that I would write about. I would talk about my life in like before MDMA and after MDMA. Like that mm. this was a change in who I was. Like I was on a different trajectory before and I was on a separate trajectory afterward. Um, and well, for me personally, it revealed, I think, that I had a very deep-seated and unconscious nihilism um, 
yeah, I really, I didn't believe it, God. And I... Before that, you didn't? No. I really thought, mm. yeah, I think I was very, becoming very rationalistic. And I was kind of like, I was like, if it can't be explained in rationalistic terms, then it's not real. And I can't, these are just stories that people are saying, and it doesn't make any sense. And I just rejected it. And I think I sort of was in a bad mental state because of that. I felt very hopeless, but I wasn't aware of it. I didn't know why I felt so bad. Um, and I think, yeah, I just had no hope, really. Um, and, yeah, after that experience, I feel like, uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, I had an experience that I could have never imagined having rationally, uh, and that really changed things for me. Um, do you like so do you have like a lingering like positive outlook on the future because of like that it you know so like when you take something similar be like in my world i i i think i've had the experience with just random combinations of drugs in my younger days as you mix enough things with tiredness and and when I was like homeless, I wasn't really, I was homeless in the suburbs. So I wasn't like living under bridges, hmm. but you know, your life is different than in that. Like I can still remember like that's almost a psychedelic experience is what I'm trying to say. Like you're Being in homeless. a different world. Yeah. Because so now when I sit around or whatever you know i'm i'm like so i have kim who makes all the money nowadays i don't i'm trying to build this business that i'm a mushroom business i'm trying to build my sawmill business and i'm trying to like figure out what i want to do and how i'm going to do it because the whole like corporate or even gig whatever the stuff that i was doing has always ended the same which is fine and i'm not complaining i'm just saying I'm trying something different. And I would never have that thought, like a thought like that. So I'll like have these illusions of whatever, call them illusions of grandeur. I'm like, oh, I'll build this. I'll make that. I'll sell this. I can get this going. I could start this. When you're homeless, you're like, I have nothing. I have no capital. I have no, you like the best you can come up with is like, maybe I can sell drugs or have sex with somebody for money. You know what I mean? Like you just have different, a different worldview. Totally. You know? Mm, is, yeah. So I don't know why I'm saying this part because my question to you was, or is like, there is a, I, you draw your own connections between what I'm saying and what I'm asking. So like, mm. my, cause my question is like, did it change that? I think what I'm saying is going to that life is like, life changing it's like totally changed or now this life is like in a it's a longer trajectory it's not like i took a pill but like now i can i can almost it's almost palpable where i'm like this is so different that mm -hmm. i like my life is so much different now it's so much more there's different mm -hmm. kinds of possibilities there's a whole new opportunity out there because of the exact place that i'm in that's somewhat new for me i have always worked i've been working since before i've graduated school like I was in like middle school and I had jobs so now it's all different and it's different in a profound way where 
I, it's not like sometimes I wonder, should I have sex for money, which I didn't do and don't do. But I'm just saying, now I have continually a different kind of thought. Sometimes it's a new venture idea or a new approach to what I'm doing or something like that. And it's lasting because the effect of changing my life is lasting and it was profound. So I'm wondering if like one dose or however many of this MDMA can have that kind of effect on your like outlook on on life. And I am realizing that I mentioned Adderall and we'll just get to that in a minute. But that was just to point out that I've had experiences that are similar. You mix alcohol and opiates and Adderall and the right cop, you'll get, you can feel really good. You know what I'm saying? So like, I get the idea of having that kind of experience, but that was yeah. challenging. Hmm. Whereas one, well, one MDMA seems to be like the ticket. Like that's the best drug. It seems like, and did it have that kind of effect? Are you every day now? Are you like, I'm going to the moon, I'm to the stars, you know, because you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that it's like that, uh, narrative or whatever. Fantastical maybe, but yes, it does. There is something about the way, and that's kind of the hope point I, I meant. It's like it gives you, like you see a future. You see a different future than maybe you saw um, one filled with opportunity and promise um, and renewal uh, of your spirit maybe is an interesting way to put that. Um, well, and, are you like, are you, oh, do you have more? Well, I was going to say, I think, too, the other thing that's interesting about MDMA and like what you were saying, feeling good. So I did a couple times and most people do uh, like in therapy, you'll do it like MDMA therapy. Uh, you do mm. it, I think, three times or something. Um, and you process between the sessions and you process after all the sessions. But uh, it does. There can be different types of the experience. And I noticed that it does become hollow after. So once I had that sort of peak experience, which I think was maybe like the first time I did it, or maybe the second time, it would make like the sense, first couple yeah. times I had a really profound experiences, and then after that I did it maybe a couple more times, and they were kind of hollow, and it was just feeling good, but it lacked any depth, any meaning really, and I, I felt is like, that frustrating at the time. It like can to do be the drug yeah. and then like not get the you're like oh yeah scam <laughs> yeah exactly and I think I was like no the meaning like that I need to like cultivate that what I learned in my real life my day to day without yeah. just feeling good and that was the transformative effect I felt like it had and uh, yeah you were gonna say something though well you almost got to it I was gonna say. And you don't have to be like overly personal unless you want listeners to listen. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just no sometimes I listen. think about like sometimes I just think about like the crazy stuff I could divulge. And I'm like, that's that's like the shit that people want to hear. You know, like exactly. all these girls now that have like podcasts where we talk about all their escapades or whatever. You're like, you're famous because you won't stop talking about all of your crazy sexual experiences that people are just like carnally fascinated by. Oh, my God. So I'm like, anyway. I was going to ask if you're like me where, I mean, because you would think you might be because we're related, that you're, you, you think of yourself as like a very, I'm in a midlife, not crisis, but I'm like at that, I'm like at one of the, like the 
pivot ages, you know, where like you start to mm. look old, you like don't have the beauty of your youth anymore and all that. You're in a transition you, period of your 30s. Your 30s, you're just kind of like, fuck, what's happening? I did I do did I live the like is there any young stuff that whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I have my gripes, but um, I mean, like, I'm an abject failure. Like, that's a big part of it. Anyway, so, like, oh my God. and that's up to you, listener, to spread the word about this amazing podcast. Uh, anyways, so I think of myself or have as, like, a very, like, loving or loving, capable person, you know? Mm. Um, But my behavior, I don't think, always matches that. So, like, I'll be frustrated by my lack of ability sometimes to show affection. And here's mm. like a little caveat. So like sometimes I can show affection and like, so there's like an A and a B. So like situation A, I can show the affection, go about my day as normal. Situation B, I do the same thing, but I feel more, you know, like there's, you're like, so you hug your, wife your partner or whatever and you're like this is normal situation a love you how are you doing whatever situation b the same thing happens but you like inside of you is filled with like a a feeling along the lines of like oh i really want to transmit like how much i care about you and like how important this relationship is. And I really want you to know that, you know what I mean? Like all those extra intense mm-hmm. feelings that come along with them. Uh, so interestingly, the feeling that I have, so those aside as a human, just like generally, if I were to describe myself, I actually think of myself as like a highly, so I have the capability to have those feelings. I'm not, not sure if everybody does. I don't know. I don't know if they're overblown, if they're pathological. I don't know. Could be. Could be some kind of problem I have. You know, the fact that I have that much feeling, maybe it's a sign of some kind of insecurity or some kind of attachment problem. Maybe not. I doubt it. I think there's some healthy attributes to having a capacity for that kind of love for somebody. But um, sometimes I think the honest reality is that I don't actually do that very well sometimes. And I think that's where I was kind of pointing out like my thirties and this like transition. I feel like you, I'm like almost like in a place sort of, I'm not like having a bad time or anything. I'm just saying that I think about it. Like I'm in a place where I can like become who I am, you know, in a way, like you get to an age where like, who am I? Like, am I an angry person or am Mm. I not full of anger? Mm. Um, I'm going to stop talking for a second. Are you relating to anything I'm saying? Well, the one thing, like, I really want to show this person how much this means to me or whatever, that that was interesting. That I felt like that was part of the MDMA experience where it was like the almost feeling that you can't quite explain to someone else the depth of your experience or your feeling or your the meaning of your relationship and that was I think really it was really the relationship and I guess that's the point I wanted to make about 
just synchronous experiences in general is like there's something about it that was so important to me. The takeaway was like, oh, relationships are so important because what I felt like I was experiencing was relationship, like my relationship to this person and my sounds like I almost hate using that word because it's like I have ownership of it, which is like very self-centric and it's not like my relationship. Like I just happen to be related to things and people and it's like I am experiencing that um, I am like the witness to that. The and, uh, agape agape love. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So or, that, or the love that encompasses all the definitions. Right. Yeah. And I think that was what you were saying is like, you know, I think of myself as a loving person, but I find it hard to connect. I also feel that too, like I, ever since that experience, I've been more acutely aware of it, but the ways in which it's hard to be vulnerable with other people, like it's hard to get to that place that you really need to be of just like complete surrender to like yeah. just experiencing and witnessing the relationship that you have. Yeah. Cause I, I know Michael, your partner and you, so like in the way that me and Kim are different from each other, like that degree, the, the, the degree of like difference between us mm. is pr pretty, pretty intense probably healthy for me in some ways and unhealthy in other ways. Um, but exactly perfect. Um, it seems like Michael could also be like that too, mm. which maybe that creates less problems because there's no mismatch. It's not as bad. I don't know if that's true. We're similar in important ways, I think, and different in temperament ways, yeah. And what, is he like happier or I, more... oh that's interesting i think i'm the happier person i'm like the person who's warm on the outside and cold on the inside and he's a person who's cold on the outside and warm on the inside mm, i could see that yeah because he has a very um like mo monotone kind of not yeah. always i'm not like not in like a insulting way just very or i think the right word is even keel like yeah hard hard to excite in any kind of way you know hard to get yes. mad hard to get him excited yeah. and like overboard or anything like that so but so that's why i thought maybe he's standoffish in this and not yeah. just standoffish in the same kind of way that we're just talking about whereas maybe maybe he's not <laughs> yeah he's, no totally i think yeah he is like that and i am also a little bit like that um it's interesting i mean i I do notice like urges in myself that, you know, it's like, why am I doing this? Like what part of me is afraid of this, you know, or like just getting close to people or letting someone in to some, you know, aspect of your life or, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, to recognize the both, I think, in yourself, that like you're capable of of letting go and being vulnerable, but then also that you are also very afraid of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay, wow. If I say that one more time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. okay. Um, exactly. I was trying to say, yeah. 
Oh my God. <laughs> I'm trying to say, why do I want to say that word again before I say what I'm trying to say? Just affirmations. That, that, yes. That, <laughs> whatever we're talking about comes along with the imperfection of mankind or whatever, of just being yeah. a person. So you want, you know about the perfection because whatever, MDMA, you have that experience. And you want to kind of have that a lot or not all the time or, or all the time, whatever you want to like live there. Yeah. But I'll even notice that like, like, I mean, anybody, anybody could realize that there's a difference between like, there's some kind of distinction that I'm not going to point out immediately because I don't really know, but so I don't take it what I'm saying in an extreme way. But like there's a there's something there's a difference between uh like sexual desire or whatever or like that feeling you have with somebody where you're like feeling what or we can call it romantic, maybe would be a better infatuation, like, maybe. Yes. And versus... even within an like with even within like there's obviously a difference between like the beginning and, and middle or whatever of a relationship, but I'm just talking about even in the relationship, like an established relationship. And like as you like a relationship is like alive, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. not, it's not like one thing usually. So that there's um, a difference. And I think as a straight male, the, we might cut this out. I don't know um, <laughs> that there's a level of uh, like there's, it's, it's a trope. It's obvious. Like, I don't know if this exists anymore. That's why I'm like struggling to say it because now the world is like only fans and tender. So I don't really know. But for my generation, there used to be a well-known difference between like the level of whatever that is. Like what people say, men think with their dicks or the wrong head or whatever. And women are not Lust quite like that. or infatuation maybe. Yes. And so there's... And... There's a difference between that and, and just and something and and not that. Even though that can exist, what I'm trying to say is that can exist within, mm. like, a, in a healthy way, like in a nor- in a long term relationship. It's, I'm not because there's all there's a very big difference between like dating for a year and dating f- for ten years, you mm. know, which is like the situation I'm in, and I'm very acutely aware that they're of that evolution because the beginning is like ecstasy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you could just lay in bed all day and just like hold hands and you're like, this is bliss (laughs) and whatever. So not that I'm saying. So even within like, just as the relationship, like I have like male being the male, having this female counterpart who probably doesn't think that way. So, and there's, I, I, this is coming out because it's a new thought I'm having that I've recently had. So like, would you agree that like sex is like a drug in a way? Like you become, I almost want to call it like a possession, like a different version of you takes over. Sure, yeah, in a way, yeah, it can be like yeah. that. That romantic, even from like the like the build up to like the fancy dinner, whatever or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're going out tonight, and this is going to be really fun and romantic, and we're going to hang out and have a good time and experience each other. Where versus like we're going to do the dishes like we do fucking every day and clean the goddamn house <laughs> and fucking feed the animal. You know what I mean? Like that's different. Yeah. So you like you go into this like mode, you know, where you're like, woo, 
I, I don't know how to describe it because it's not just like it's not like I'm just pure horny. It's like I'm a different it's a different vibe, as the kids say. Would you do you is that an experience that you can relate to? Like it's that's just me. It can't, no, I, I mean, think I that's I yeah. I don't talk to people. I think that's a generalizable <laughs> experience. I think uh Yeah, it's the spice of life or whatever they say. Uh Yes. Yeah. Perhaps. perhaps. Yeah. There's something about it that breaks down the persona. I think of the person. So my point is brutal about it. Or my 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 question about it is that I wonder about is how much of that because that can feel like what I'm trying to connect it to is like the description of your like MDMA experience. I'm like so it's it's this thing that can happen. This way we can interact and be with each other. And at a certain level, it's you can if you recognize that it's like, oh, I oh, I just took a pill. That's why this is happening. You know, I just did MDMA. That's why this is happening. Or, oh, I'm like being uh, overcome with this. Like, I I honestly think of it as like a possession. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's so it's a different mindset than when I'm doing other stuff, you know. Like you can catch me at the wrong time and I'm like, I, I don't do this, but I'm, but I, you can understand where you're just like, ah, I'm busy. Like I'm trying to, I'm in the middle of something, you know, sure, yeah. like that's a different, totally different state of mind. And I don't know if that becomes, I don't know if there's a, I think I'm coming back to this idea that everything's just a balance. Like there's a time and a place, a season, but the, like drugs and the authenticity factor, like the wedding vows, richer for poor and sickness and in health, you know, there's sure, like, yeah. cause you could have, it could all be the worst, you know, it could, you could be in squalor and suffering and poverty and just the worst, you know? Yeah, no, I think and, uh, it's like that because like the MDMA experience, I don't think you can stay in it forever that kind of experience it's not practical like it's not a way to live you're not very responsible and like doing things that you need to do uh but it helps you helps teach you to 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 remember these things and try a little bit yeah it's like what's important about this and i think that's one of like i was just gonna say there's a a lesson there like what is it life you know, life is work or whatever. Like you can't take the work out of life. Like there's always yes. toil. And so there's some fantasy about like maybe the MDMA ecstasy experience of love or whatever that it's a little fantastical because it doesn't involve work, which is a basic reality of life. Yeah. Um, and like the, you know, intimacy, infatuation at the beginning of a relationship is amazing and can sustain the relationship, but it's not without reciprocity and hard work that you know long-term relationships need to thrive um and so yeah i think uh it's uh it's good to you know kind of have a balanced view about it i don't think it's like oh everything is like has to be like this now you know like that sort of like chasing the dragon sort of experience um but that like there's a way to incorporate that sort of experience more in the day-to-day. Like, there's a way to 
be loving uh, and kind and uh, affirm your relationship in the in the mun- mundane things, maybe. Yeah. And I think it's like a muscle, too. I think you actually do have to exercise that to a certain extent. Because a lack of anything in the relationship, so it could because it could be like a lack of sex, like even if everything's else is fine, like that could be detrimental, or like a, a hyper obsessive focus on it can be detrimental, or anything. So, and I think that too. This aside from that is that you can actually do, you can actually maybe gain some control over those. Uh, like I was saying earlier, if you have like a difficult time showing affection or whatever, and then you do the MDMA and you have the experience or you just have a moment of the accidental capacity to mm-hmm. show that love or whatever, that you can do that and do like have a memory of it and be like, oh, I should consciously incorporate this. And the feeling isn't, too terribly far from the accidental or the artificial through MDMA. Like you actually get a lot of the benefits that come with the drug by doing the other behaviors that actually get you close to what was happening. You know what yeah, I mean? Like you so actually I'm glad. get a lot of the byproducts. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think that's what I was trying to say is like there's a a component of the MDMA experience that you recognize in your daily life and you realize that, oh, this is what that is, maybe. Like, you realize it for the first time or maybe you zoom in on it and, yeah, you you realize how to incorporate those things or accentuate the those things in, yeah, your life. And I think it's really just kind of like presence. Like, actually, psychedelics was also the first time I felt truly present. Like, people talk about being present and I was like, what the hell does that mean? And then I experienced it and I was like, oh, it is like you're just in this moment. Like you're not you're yeah. really not focused on the future and you're not focused on the past and you're really just appreciating what's happening. And that's mm-hmm. happiness, like literally to like what happens to receive what happens. That's happiness. Um on a low dose yeah. of mushrooms, I think that happens to me. Yeah. And and it and it can and it'll ha- it can have like a a big time lingering effect like months and months out I just can think of times in my life where I was doing totally different things and the only difference was I was a little there was a lot going on and I was and I had experienced a low dose of mushrooms in this time and it was during the COVID beginning so there's a lot of rearranging like a reset in a way of like that kind of put you in a, a weird the possibility to have like a very present experience <laughs> sure. of like what the fuck is going on right now in a very traumatic time. But I do, but I would like, I would walk through the woods around here for hours at a time. Whereas I just haven't done that in a long time. And I'm like, I remember though, like, I like, how could, how did I have so few things to despair yeah. you know like i don't know i was just but i was very present because i feel present but i'm really not like i'm so what they call add like i'm kind of always trying to do a busy thing with my mind of some kind mm. which you can be present doing that i think on a certain level but sometimes it's really just almost like a form of anxiety almost like yeah. I gotta, 
do this or do that or I got to get get somewhere and make something happen or what am I going to do? I'm just sitting here. I got to like make a list. I got to go to the store. I got to, what I got to do? And that's like not present at all. Even yeah. though you can be really depressed about the situation, doesn't mean you're actually being present. Yeah. And yeah, not to say too that like, I think there is a benefit to anxiety responses. And so, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't think you can be in that state all the time because sometimes you aren't doing the things that you need to prepare for what's coming, you know, whatever that may mean. Um, and you do need to, you know, the anxiety response is almost telling you like you need to change, you know, something like you need to prepare for you know, tomorrow or the next day or what you're doing at work or. Um, yeah. And I think nowadays people have anxiety that they don't know how to deal with. Like I've said before, I hate when people say, I struggle with anxiety or I have anxiety. It's like, shut the fuck up, please. Like everybody has fucking anxiety. You having anxiety is giving me anxiety. Like leave me alone. But I don't discount that it is happening to an extent that's probably a little overboard. Yeah. I think that that response, it's easier. Maybe we try to figure out, you know, physical things that are the problem. Because sometimes it's like, a, like I just use the example of like making a list. Like sometimes I'll like make a list to help my anxiety. But in reality, I just need to like get off my ass and go do something. Like I just haven't, you know, I'm like being a little lazy and it's like stressing me out and I'm giving myself anxiety. And it's like, just get up, like just go start doing something mm-hmm. and that will help. And I think people are so digital now. They don't know what to do. Like do, nobody even has hobbies anymore. And that's like really weird to me. Like I'm always yeah. looking for a like a thing to be engaged in, which can be an, a version of escapism. You don't want to be the husband in the garage that never comes in to eat dinner because he's like avoiding you by working on his car that'll never be fixed. Yeah, but, that's another thing I was thinking as you were saying that is like kind of just follow your intuitions. Like I think naturally you're led to like get up and go do something, and you're actually what's happening is like you're disinhibiting that like almost psychologically through like the reckoning and the reasoning and the rationality and that was the kind of experience i was having on mdma when i was saying i was like a very rational minded person before and i noticed on the experience like some things you just have the inclination to do like one of the big ones on mdma i think most people experience this is like holding someone's hand like reaching out which is very profound and symbolic and you're disinhibiting that all the time and it's really interesting that like just touching someone, um, giving someone a hug, uh, holding someone's hand and be very psychologically soothing. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Did I go away? Am I back? Yes. I was about to write down what you were saying. Yeah. Psychologically soothing, holding hands. But yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, you're actually disinhibiting or you're inhibiting like something that you need to disinhibit, you know, like your inclination is to do something and you're inhibiting it and you should just follow your inclination or intuitions often, um, like reaching out and grabbing someone's hand. And yeah, I think, you know, like we get too caught up in our minds about like, oh, that's inappropriate or, you know, like that's you know, is this person, is it okay if I hug this person in the workplace? You know, like that kind of stuff that's like, oh my God. And sometimes it's not, but if you, especially if it's with your partner, then. <laughs> yeah, I guess sometimes, no, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Fair point. But I'm just saying like, if it's not, you know, with your, 
if it's with your partner and you're not doing that, am I still here? Am I back? Yeah. If you're with your partner and you're not doing that and you find some kind of blockage, that's when you can incorporate yeah. the fake it till you make it strategy. Because like you were saying, there are these feedbacks or there's something, because I don't know how those walls get built up over time. Because in the beginning relationship, that's all you want to do. You just want to like jump inside their pocket, you know. <laughs> but eventually, years and years go by, and it's cliche. Giving each other like, the cold shoulder. Some things, or, or, or not even like an uh, a conscious cold shoulder, but yeah. just like you know, there is a reason. It's a feedback, so there was a little bit on each side here, but like there's a reason you were doing that in the beginning of the relationship. And it's not just because you were having this intense feeling, you were also inculcating that intense feeling by doing those things repeatedly. So it's like this feedback mm. mechanism. Mm, mm. And there's probably an opposite feedback me- mechanism, like you're saying, like you inhibit that. Yeah too much and you'll create this environment that's not as loving and not as affectionate or not as whatever and then you miss out on all these beneficial you know side or not even these beneficial emotions feelings thoughts patterns they just totally miss out on those so you have to again either take mdma or take someone's word (laughs) that there's an experience out there you can have that's better than nothingness or coldness or despair or whatever yeah and that you can actually just do these simple little things and even if you think it's not gonna help me well if it helps the other person like maybe you like that response that you get or that you've done something you know what i mean because sometimes sometimes that is the time to do something nice is when you you don't want to always give a gift just because it makes you feel better. God, that's you know what like I mean? A, yeah, like, narcissistic form of right. love. So, right, completely. So, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, whatever that is. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, experimenting and, yeah, there and hope, that's the big one, I think. And relationship is that, yeah, I think uh, we live in a hyper-individualistic society where your ego can be overinflated and... And yeah, and then you can fall back into that. And even in a long-term relationship where you start acting as if, yeah, you are kind of the center of everything. And yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, you have to sort of surrender. That's the ego death, I think, that people talk about on psychedelics. Yeah. Are people even getting... I What I'm trying to say is I don't know how you end up with a, a meaningful relationship these days when everything is, is so acceptable and accessible. Like Tinder and OnlyFans and whatever other things are out there, I don't know, Pornhub, they all circle something. And it's this like hyper-atomized, hyper-sexualized world that I believe, based on my own experience, which isn't the experience of those youngsters these days, but that I believe is that experience is not... It's going to fuck you up. Oh, yeah. Even if it becomes... Even if it becomes normal to be fucked up one day, which it is becoming normal, it doesn't mean that it's not bad just because everybody's doing it. Like, yeah. I don't know what it's doing exactly, but it is definitely, it's definitely 
I cannot imagine coming to age in this environment where the most likely and normal and acceptable place to find a date is on an app that is seems to be primarily used for hookups yeah, or is interchangeably no. used for hookups, which is also a weird thing. Yeah, no, it's totally crazy. I mean, I totally agree with you. I don't know how people are having uh, meaningful relationships in the digital era, and especially when sex has become seemingly so egocentric and self-centered. Exactly, yes. Where it's just for you. And I think that's like what kink is, is like you are actually in a sadistic play date where you are each participating in each other's fantasies, but there's real no real contact between these two people happening like psychologically or metaphysically or physically. I mean, physically there's contact, but yeah, on any Wait, deeper elaborate. level. Not really. Elaborate on that. That's really interesting sounding. Well, I just think like, I mean, I, I particularly see this in the gay community because it's so like kink positive because it's like anything that's not conservative is now in the LGBTQ, you know, plus whatever community. It's like, we'll take everything. And that's a little weird. But so you see the gay community get into like the fringes and whatnot. But in general, like, I like like leather daddies sure. and puppy play and all that kind yes. of stuff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. all that there. Who even knows the extent of it all? Um, there's a kink for everything. But. Well, I know, I know. I'm just trying to figure out what the general yeah. umbrella, like what we're talking about. We're not talking about like snuff films, but we're talking about yeah. just normal, normal enough that it's yeah, recognizable enough, and a little strange. Anybody could experience this, I think, regardless of your who you're having sex with or whatever. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, there's a way in which you can use the other person just for your own pleasure or whatever. Mm. And they, you don't really see them as a person. You see them as like a, an object or a part of your fantasy in your mind, maybe. Like, you know, people make jokes about like, oh, you know, I think Ali Wong has a joke about like having sex with someone and then closing your eyes and then seeing two Latina lesbians or something. And it's like from a porno right. you watched. And it's like you're not even present, literally, in the situation. And so... That's very interesting. Yeah, I think that's kind of like... What you were saying, you can have like deep, meaningful sex that affirms your relationship where you actually are very present with the other person. It's very vulnerable and very re rejuvenating for the Scary. relationship. Yeah, but they can also have this sort of experience where you're actually more further apart than you've ever been, even in your day-to-day, -day, mm. where now you're like even further objectifying this person or you're like you're reducing their humanity. Um and I think that that can happen also. And I I see that as a particularly pernicious problem in the gay community with like the sub-dom thing, like mm. a submissive dominant type where someone... Is that in the gay community really intense? Like in There's a version of it. I think it's probably throughout the whole population, but there's definitely a part of the gay community where like people... You know, like top bottom culture, like people are like, Are you a top? You know, like you a power a... bottom or whatever. I've heard yeah. these words thrown around jokingly. Yeah. Yeah. But like people form identities out of it. And it's like, mm. that is really dangerous to me where you like form an identity based on sex and a sex where yes. it's totally narcissistic, like that you're not even 
it's not a play, like an interaction between you and another person. It's like completely fantastical and detached from reality. Um, That's interesting. And yeah. it centers around, you know, you either taking advantage of another person for your own, you know, as like your play thing or whatever, uh, or you being taken advantage of. Um, that's yeah, masochism and sadism. Um, Where like so, I wonder like this is an interesting dynamic. That could almost be a different podcast, but like I know what, we could probably save it. What is? But I gotta like, just go for a little more engaged. Yeah. So what? What? I don't even know what to ask. Like I was gonna say, like, do you know this from experience? But maybe you don't want to say that. But but I am wondering part of me is wondering like where's that where's your understanding of that come from because it seems like that's a deep enough take that you'd have to kind of have some experience yeah. with it but all but i'm all because so because there's a if that's a question you want to answer fine and then but the i think the root of it that i'm getting at perhaps may be so let's say that that you are engaged in that how there's got to be some kind of the word's almost too vulgar, but maybe not to say like some kind of gratification you're getting out of that, whatever that is. Like you yeah. somehow you're enjoying that experience, good or bad. I don't know. Like that's kind of benign. Yeah, but no, I can talk about it's it. Not, it's not. It's 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 not benign. So I'm, what I'm kind of getting at is where, what is the line, and should there be any between, like there's got to be a reason that like missionary sex is called missionary, you know, like. <laughs> Is that what the missionaries taught? Like, this is the way to do it. Like, you can't be doing it these other ways. You know, I'm sure that's probably, that probably is where that came from. So it's like, where is the, is there a line and what is the line between? Yeah. I think the question is, is there a line between preference and whatever this thing is that you're identifying in what we call kink? Yeah. I think that you, like, all sorts of different, it doesn't, it's not like these types of sexual acts are bad and these types of sexual acts are good like only missionary position is good i think it depends on your relationship and the context of what's going on and how what's happening in the actual situation um, because it can be very playful um sure and maybe you do feel very present it's um it really is bringing you closer together uh but i think it when it the line maybe becomes when you are psychologically to kind of detach from the other person, I think, whatever that means. Um, and I would say... Which might be evidenced by becoming um, rigid in that, like, this, yeah, I sure. have, this, I have to have this going on. For, exactly. Like, I have to be, like, tied to That's a, good one, a dog yeah. collar all the time. Otherwise, this isn't going to work out. You're filtering, so it's like interesting exactly. because like you can filter for that, I, I guess, and get what you want, and then develop a relationship. But is it is that that's interesting? That's yeah, that's what I was saying with weird. like the top bottom thing. It's like these are people like I think when you form an identity around it, it's like I can only have this type of sex that like this type of intercourse with someone, and that's the only way to be gratified. And it's like then it's really not about. Like, sex isn't a vehicle for you to explore your relationship. Sex is, like, just for you to get off, like, to orgasm or something, which is all about you, and it's not really attached to your relationship at all. This is a difficult thing to figure out, 
it's like a little easier than figuring out like what's going on with like all these trans identities and all this different stuff. But I think it's a, it's the same thing happening. Mm. S- somehow it's it's like maybe some way they're connected or something. So they're somehow connected because or they share characteristics. There's something really interesting about this topic to me. Yeah, I guess I don't mean that it's like there's anything wrong with people for engaging in this behavior or whatever. I just don't think it's functional for your relationships and I think it's detrimental to you and your relationships and your because of it because it's detrimental to your relationships, I think it's detrimental to your psychological well-being and your physical well-being. I mean, for me, my personal experience, I've experienced different, you know, kind of relationships with people and I guess, you know, when I first began dating people or whatever, it was kind of like that, you know, you kind of date people and it's like, you know, fatuous love or whatever. And, you know, you're kind of like, you're not really in a long-term relationship and you're not really committed to the other person's well-being and like actually caring about them. And it's really a little bit narcissistic. It's about you getting gratified out of the relationship, whether that be sexually or, you know, whatever. And I think everybody goes through that. Like, most people have that sort of experience and that's totally fine. That's part of like the developmental journey, I think is like learning what it takes to sustain and maintain a long-term relationship with someone. Um, and people must have preference predilections because I mean, f- from what I know, porn is categorized, you know, yeah, like, there's yeah. like, there's like different, whatever concepts or what, I don't know, whatever you call them activities or, you know, there's different <laughs> categories or yeah categories or whatever you know so it's like there's clearly this is like that's not like it's a mental minefield it's weird you know because you're like it clearly can be categorized yeah you know so there's so there's clearly some kind of like predilections or consistent uh preferences of some kind but Mm. maybe there is again like everything i hate that everything would come down to this but like there's some kind of odd balance to be found well i think between yeah the idea that there are themes in sex and kinks and whatever i think like to me i also think that's another way that the unconscious manifests itself like you like and i don't i mean we could go really deep into this and we'll have to save it for another part but like yes because when we talk about sex i the the things that come up like the things i want to explore as far as like how do we get to the bottom line here psychologically i'm like we got to get young and freud like i think that for all of their weirdness they probably were on to something oh yeah with with as far as the sex stuff is concerned because Otherwise, it's like, why else do people end up with some of the shit that they want? You know, like, there's weird shit out there. Like, there, there's like, I don't right, know what it's exactly. called. But like, people who want to wear, like, diapers and stuff. You know, it's like that. Right. All they're saying really is, like, you can psychoanalyze that and say, like, this person is engaging in this behavior, this activity, and it reveals something about their psychological state, whether it be conscious or unconscious. And it's likely unconscious because they couldn't tell you why they're into that or are doing that particular thing. Yeah. And then how come, why do you like cheddar cheese? It's like, I don't know. It just tastes good. (laughs) You know, like, so it doesn't feel, which again, this is why I'm saying it's like, it's sort of related. Somehow the difficulty is related to like the whole identity thing. Cause it's like people that are like, I want to be this or I want to be that. It's like, they might only have access to the fundamental explanation that like, I don't know. I just, I like dressing like this. 
or if I they feel were being like honest, this you know, or like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like doing this. I just feel like it. Like, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. No, it does throw a wrench in things. And I think, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Jung would say it's like an unconscious reaction. Like it's compensating for something in the conscious mind that, uh, to like bring your awareness to something or whatever. Uh, that's like an interesting idea that, yeah, we could explore, but like, Oh, like even mass... in the awakened state. So like, yeah, like, like a dream is like revealing something to you, but maybe so is your kink. It's like telling you something about yourself. Exactly. Like I think like a foot fetish, mm. for instance, you may could analyze as like, mm. like an Oedipal complex. Like there's something, mm. there's a collective image or symbol symbolism about the foot. Like that's like a, a human body part. Like we have myths about, Oedipal and you can look that up and whatever but Oedipus yeah. yeah like the it's for it's used we could like I mean just like off the cuff like it's for walking also it's like dirty you don't want to don't you're, when you're a kid don't put that in your mouth you know like don't eat your toes you know all that, but at the same time my stepmother like smelled her infant's feet you know <laughs> like she like oh I love their little feet and she would like kiss their feet and smell their feet I'm like freak but I mean again if you end up with a problem or whatever, a kink, because I don't think a foot fetish is a problem necessarily yeah. unless it's like unhealthy. But like if you end up with that and that and you had some kind of experience like that, like check one point for Freud. Yes, because, because that's what something's they would going say. on there. <laughs> yeah. There's also like personal connections, like maybe there was something involving feet in your history or your childhood or whatever that may mm. have some significance to play in what is reemerging now in adulthood, like maybe a foot fetish as an adult. Or it could be collective symbolism, like, you know, like the Oedipal complex, like where I think the Oedipal complex, that story is like a mother doesn't prepare her child for uh, adulthood or something, like kind of infantilizes them. There's like the Oedipus and the Ophelia, I think, which I think people hyper-focus on in the Freudian analysis of that. Because you can have sure, an yeah. Oedipus complex or whatever, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, but that I think the meaning there being like you don't have the feet to walk, you know, your feet underneath you to like go out and whatnot. But anyway, so these things are rich with meaning, I think. Like the same thing with sadism and masochism, like there's a lot of psychological meaning around that, like going back to top bottom culture, like or submissive dominant, like the submissive being the sadist, uh, the masochism and the uh, top or the dominant being the uh, sadist. That would be like also psychologically, you know, like a reaction maybe that like, you know, you like say you are a sadist and you like to see other people suffer, you know, or hurt um, uh, or inflicting harm or pain to other people. Maybe that is like, a, you know, something maybe you've experienced a lot of pain or something you feel deeply hurt or, you know, there could be all sorts of reasons. Yeah. And I think the pathology is revealed to some extent in the sense that like, so you have, so using the top bottom culture, if for whatever reason, so like, let's say you're, you go on Tinder, I guess it'd be grinder or whatever, and you find your match bottom top, and then you start that relationship. And then let's assume you've convinced yourself that you've fallen in love and this is a meaningful relationship to you. 
time goes on, you're together five, 10 years. And then for some reason, whether through preference or through injury, I don't know, whatever, that your bottom can't do that anymore or changes their mind about, well, I'm kind of done with this whole mm, thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I like to think about these in terms of like aging, like once, so like you might like what you like now, but imagine yourself being exactly. like 80 years old, like yeah. kind of a weirdo you, or not weird, just like you're ugly, you know, like this is very vain. But so back to what I was saying, if you develop that relationship and then that changes and then your partner, top guy is like, well, I, I mean, I've always said, you know, I don't want to be with someone who's not, you know the inverse or the, not the match, right, not the bottom, right. whatever, then a rigidity that, that, of sorts. Right. Well, the pathology is revealed in that, like this relationship that you're supposedly developing is actually fundamentally, at least based on a sexual dynamic mm, that mm-hmm. is, is just a, as ephemeral as youth. You know, it's like, right. so all that eventually goes away within your own lifetime to some extent. Right. And then what? Like, what does that say then mm-hmm. about you as a not a lover, like sexually, like a literal love of someone, you know, someone's life or whatever? It's like that something, if it all falls apart, hinging upon this, it becomes contractual. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's very narcissistic, too. Like the other person has yes. to serve this specific role. Like this relationship is actually all about me and you fulfilling my fantasy and if you get out of line, you stop following the script, well, then this relationship is over. And that is just a very narcissistic view of your relationship because your relationship isn't over by decree. Like you have a relationship with that person. You've been engaged with them in some way. You've talked to them. You have, you know, developed a relationship with this person. Uh, so you, what you're really doing, I think, psychologically is disaffirming your relationship with that person. I think that that is the trauma of breakup and loss that people really experience. Right. And I will point out the inverse, which is ultimately in a relationship regarding this topic, I think, especially after so many years of being with somebody and I'm not revealing anything about myself. I'm just thinking I'm probably drawing more from podcasts, to be honest, like these female podcasts that Kim watches, they just always talk about sex. So that's probably why I'm misinformed. But um, it seems like there's really ultimately in any aspect of relationship, a give and take. No, literally yes. no pun intended at yes. all. Because because it's if if bottom guy has a preference ch- change, it's like, I don't want to do, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not into that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. That's fine. And it can be troubling to top guy. Maybe top guy's a top guy because he doesn't like being a bottom guy. <laughs> So, so a l- more than just this one thing has to change. You know what I mean? It's just dis- it, maybe it's disruptive in some way, and which makes sense. Sex can be an integral part of a relationship, or an important aspect. But there's literally, like, uh, let me think of something a little more mundane, like the feet fetish thing. Like, if I was with somebody for t- ten years, and then one day out of the blue, they're like, "I have a new preference. I'm way into feet stuff." I don't even know what feet stuff really is exactly, <laughs> but I can imagine that someone could say that and I'd be like, well, I'm not like, I don't get that. I don't understand. You know, it doesn't, whatever the f- sensation is that you have by thinking about that, like I'm not having that sensation. Mm-hmm. 
which I can understand might be a little uneasy for the person, both people. One person going, why do you want to do that? Like, that's weird. Or the other person being like, what, you, what, you fucking think I'm weird? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That could, there's a whole lot that can come along with that. But I'm saying that if the relationship, because now we're going the opposite direction, everything's regular until later. And now things are going to become irregular for whatever reason. They watch too many podcasts about women talking about their sexcapades. So at that point, you have a choice. There's, you know, like that's a different, it's now the dynamic looks different because you have the relationship and now you have to figure this out. If the relationship wasn't based on it, now you have to figure out, well, what does that mean? Well, give and take, maybe you'd, you'd do mm, that sometimes. Yeah. If you, if, because you're like, why at a certain level, a certain length of relationship, when a lot of the hallucinatory euphoria yeah. Peels away. Okay. There's, yeah. There's I would like to... an aspect where you're like, I, well, I would, I want to do whatever that thing is for you because I want you to like the, whatever's happening. So, and it may be a little bit of a challenge, but yeah. hey, you know what? People get used to a lot. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. a diff- it's just, I was just, I was just putting the twist on it that there's another way of looking at this, like the reverse order of events. Sure. No, I would like to point out. That, yeah, that can be a growing experience, too. And I think that that's a way in which, you know, I'm not saying that anything is right or wrong, you know, whatever. I just think there's a a way to grow out of, like, thinking about these things and having a long-term relationship, especially, like, in the way that you're saying, like, if someone says, oh, I don't like that or, you know, whatnot, then it's like, that may be actually really illuminating to the other person for them to explain, I don't like when you do this because blah, 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 you know, and that may be something the person has never been aware of. Right. Or I want to try this because blah, blah, blah. And they, yeah, you know, like, exactly. And you're like, oh, I guess. I mean, whatever. Okay. And I think that is, and that probably and will not be a lifetime endeavor, especially if it develops in that way. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, whatever. I, I mean, but it's, if even if it lasts a week, it's like a team building project. Like, you know <laughs> it's like I mean? team building. Yes, like, exactly. It's like we got it. This is either going to be bring sex workshops to the workplace. <laughs> we got to come together and figure out how to make this either like, like if you want it to be hot, I got to figure out how to make it not hilarious. You know, like because sure, it's just, it could you be fun and that interesting, out. maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And you and you'll probably grow some. Not again. No pun intended. In the relationship, yes. somehow, you know, I can just see that being, it sounds like a, you could write a funny a right. sitcom with that, let that whole thing happen. I actually, I think I'm watching a show now that has, a there's like a season that has like a weird thing like that where someone develops some like, or exposes like, actually, I've never said this before, but I'm into this weird thing. <laughs> and it was like the, a whole story arc around this like experience between this husband and wife. They have to figure this out, you know, and it was just, you know, there's. It was far more ultimately than just the thing. It was like mm, a whole exactly. relational complex of events that had to that went down and changed things. Yeah. No, that's what I was thinking. And there could be fun ways, yeah, of exploring that. I was thinking, I guess, what came to my mind was like the, like if you are a, a sadist or something and you develop a long-term relationship and then someone, you know, that you're in a relationship with says like, I don't like being hurt in you know that way well then the you are faced with a 
legitimate consequence. Like you now have mm. a relationship with this person. So it's like you actually do have a lot to lose. Like if this person decides not to be engaged with you anymore. Um, and so I think that that may be like a forcing function to be like, hmm, like maybe what I'm doing is hurting other people. Maybe it's not good for me to hurt other people. And not, yeah. You definitely don't want to get stuck in that. Yeah. In that way, like program yourself like that ultimately, because it's hard to quit anything, really. I mean, some people find out their gluten intolerance and they can't stop eating bread. Like it's literally hard to do. People can't stop drinking, smoking, eating, all sorts. They can't start working out. They can't, you know what I mean? There's all, so you're definitely stuck for a minute and it's going to be a difficult thing to overcome. Right. The impact of it. That's what I was thinking. And you thinking. don't need coffee to be a normal functioning human either. Right. It's just like you don't need a foot fetish. You just have to – it's always an opportunity to like figure it out again. Who yeah. am I? What am I doing? What do I want? What do I want to be? Exactly. And that opportunity is provided in a long-term relationship or a longer term. I think that's the particularly pernicious, pernicious thing about like the dating app, dating app culture, hookup culture because – people don't have to face the consequences of sort of these maybe less than healthy sexual tendencies. That's very interesting. Because that's what I see. The cultural implications of always matching up perfectly. Right. Yeah. Like grinder. Interesting. Yeah. Like people I think who get, because it gets more wild, like people get on grinder, and I think that their sexual preferences and sexual interests get more and more wild and riled up. Right. And I think what happens is because you, you know, you hook up with someone, maybe you're like an aggressive, you know, dominant top or whatever. I I don't mean to pick on tops, but, or people who have that kind of sex, but whatever, just like, you know, maybe you have sort of wild sex and then, you know, next time it needs to be a little more. And then next time it needs to be a little more and a little more. And then eventually it's like, where does that stop? In the grinder culture, it's, or the next person has to has like a million other people to live up to or, and now exactly. you've tr- tried everything, like dr- grow up drinking, you know, expensive wine with your rich family and then go buy Kroger wine and get, try to get used to that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think, and I mean, it literally does get so crazy just so people know that I'm not like hyperbolizing. Like there have been cases, like someone was like tied up and, was killed by someone on Grinder in Michigan, actually, in a in a hookup that they went to, and it was very very sad. And I mean, there are real dangers to this sort of stuff. Like, I am very concerned about how ramped up people's kinks and sexual interests become. I mean, I've even heard of cases where this is going to sound shocking. So, if you need to pause this right now, go ahead. Um, someone was had killed someone and was found masturbating in their blood. Like Ugh. it is yeah, I That's so like serial killer level. Yeah, I'm so I yeah, like there's something that's going on that can be very dark. A lot of I think a lot of murderers that have like murdered people when you ask them like how did this all start? I think a lot of them if I'm not mistaken say porn. Mm. Which is just, which is clearly murder and porn are a far cry. But the fact that some people have a particular reaction 
to that that ends up down this road like you're expressing where it's like right how did this happen what is going on one of the uh american horror story up seasons was about that gay island thing oh remember that one and there was a whole thing where where i think that's what ended up happening like somebody literally died doing a kink thing yeah on this island and the whole thing was like a murder cover-up yeah no it's a thing and i'm yeah i don't want to like you know uh say it's all bad i just i do want to draw a line somewhere and say that at some point this can go very very wrong and there is real harm that can happen and we should really think about that and why is that happening and what's going on and in aggregate that's the big concern because i think like that's probably a, a fairly fringe case but clearly the world is full of predators and pedophiles and rapists and all sorts of people but the fact that it's becoming so much more the fact that like you can now just like ask that on like a first meeting or like a first date like what tell me the whole preference you know it's like that's kind of actually intense because within our well within our parents lifetime there was a generation of people living who probably a very small percentage of them even would do like a blowjob because that's crazy or gross or vulgar or Mm, mm, mm -hmm. something else you know I mean, you couldn't even say pregnant on TV. Like, people's conscience couldn't countenance that kind of thing. And yeah. now we're, like, doing grinder and stuff. Like, that's just, it really is pretty intense. And what that's really doing to society, because I was even thinking, again, for another time, but, like, just the fact that people can pretty much consistently find their so-called perfect match yeah that's interesting sexually uh, every single time means that that's like you said there's no where's the learning going to come in right there's no counterweight there's no difficulty no challenge to work through and sacrifices to be made and compromises and yeah reciprocity that's necessary for relationships yeah this isn't working next this is you know uh, i need i want this now or i'm whatever you know or preference change or what and it's just always available Right, right. And, and the then, sexual yeah. the sexual spirit or force or demon or whatever it is that is like it's got a lot of power in our culture currently. Yeah. And I was gonna say, not that those things are like bad on the face of it. I just think for people who might have a tendency or whatnot to go down a dark path, uh well, that path is kind of like accelerated on those platforms and I don't know that we have good ways to prevent that from happening or even monitor it and or help people who might get caught up in that um, or become victims of that, which is the saddest part to me. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to like the whole how sodomy probably is still illegal, kind of like technically. There's all sorts of weird yeah. things, but it's like that's a, fa- a famous one. You're, everyone is always struck by the how the fuck did you enforce that? <laughs> like, how did you figure out? You know what I mean? Like, kind of How did you know? <laughs> doesn't seem like the outlawing everything doesn't seem to be quite the right answer, but there is something to be aware, alerted to. And again, it just goes to show like it's always got to be like very individualistic and like personal. Don't off shoulder that onto some regulation or regulatory body or government like. Be a person like. 
Yeah. No, that's what I would really like to see. I would really like to see some people stand up in the gay community, and I don't know about the LGBT. Well, there's the whatever. gays against groomers. Have you exactly. heard, heard of that? I'm sure. Yeah, something like that, where people stand up yeah. and be like, "Look, there are legitimate harms that can come from these apps that we are." I at least I could say I am concerned that people might fall prey to and become victims of bad things, and I really I care about these people um and yeah i wouldn't wish that on anyone and we should really uh try to prevent that from happening as a community yeah especially in like some what i don't really think the gay community is marginalized anymore but whatever we could say i can say from my own experience i don't really think so either but maybe yeah but you know it's um what was i gonna say oh yeah that you like here's bad pr for the gay community guy dies in sexual ex- experiment right you know like bad grinder hookup or whatever right so it doesn't uh and there's and there's a m- infinitely more people who are not who are gay and not murderous right <laughs> God, the, you know what i mean like there's just there's so so clearly like you're saying having somebody or s- just people that are that they yes. Want to be roped into that community, but to also be like, hey, can we not though? Like, can like, if I'm going to be part of the, if you want to my, if you want my continued support, like, we gotta not be, whatever, draw the line wherever you want, but it's got to be something. Yeah, and I think if you don't stand up and acknowledge the real legitimate harms and concerns, then I think you risk, uh, becoming things getting more heated and potentially violent or restrictive and that's like my concern about like the trans community like i noticed some people don't want to acknowledge the potential harms with affirmative care and gender transitions surgeries and i'm like you're actually doing a disservice to your own community by not acknowledging that there are legitimate concerns about those procedures and i'm not saying that they're all bad or all good i'm saying that if we say they're all bad or all good, that's not true. And I think that you're going to rile people up and uh, you're going to end up with people who want to outright ban those things. And you're going to cause more tension in the community and you're going to create more enemies. And what you really need to do is you'd create more allies if you said, look, I recognize that there may be harms that come from these things and that we need to reach across the aisle and try to work together to make sure that we're giving people the therapies that actually help them and don't harm harm them. Yeah. And if the LGBTQ company company, uh, community, whatever they want to call themselves, doesn't watch out, it's gonna go back to the LGB community and the TQIA is gonna be its own separate mm. thing because there's there's a lot it, it seems like that's already happening. Like by both seem, sides, yeah. like the gay community on mm-hmm. large part being like, oh, you guys need to like chill the fuck out. And also the trans after the T community going, you better stand up or get the fuck out. You know, it seems like. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jordan Peterson, I think, has pointed out, too, that like some of the gender affirmative therapies or transitions that people are undergoing early on may actually just have been people that would have ended up being gay later in life. And so that's one way in which clearly the interests of 
maybe the lesbian or gay movement is not aligned with the trans movement because there are trans activists pushing for, you know, these early transition therapies and and yeah, maybe those people would have just ended up being gay and fine as adults and that you yeah, were actually telling them that being gay is not okay. It actually, your homosexual feelings are actually signs that you're the other gender or other sex, which is a little No, there's wacky. a huge difference. LGB are clear. They make, they're, they're ex, you can explain them logically. Like, what does it mean to be a lesbian? It means that I'm a female and I'm sexually attracted to other females or even emotionally attracted to other females, whatever. Gay, ditto, bi, ditto, ditto. Everything else, that is all of, that encompasses everything. That's all of the reality. Really, it should be the SLGB community because that all those are defined, identifiable mm counterbalancing each other it's like how many combinations with four numbers can you make <laughs> only so many you know these other things are like just like it does feel like they're in like a different paradigm of explanation at least dude they cannot even define and i'm not hyping up that fucking documentary i've never even seen it but they literally people cannot define woman like, well yeah you do start do it yeah, you start jumping what? into like other planes of explanation because it's like just given the semantics that we have, it's like you couldn't get further away from being a woman if you are biologically a man and you say you're a woman. So it's like you need some new paradigm to explain what's going on because that is the opposite. Like literally just definitionally, like you are the opposite. Like there's no farther away you can get from being a woman so if you're a man biologically so then we have to invent like a new plane of explaining things or whatnot which is like i think people don't appreciate that it's like oh well i could be a woman because i just have feminine ten it's like no like literally like you these are dialectics like you can't literally get any farther from the thing that you are once you enter trans you've exited the straight lesbian gay bi community you're on your own completely because if Everybody has to be trans under that ideology because then the biology doesn't matter. But guess who it does matter to? A lesbian. The whole thing is that I'm a woman and I like other women. Mm. So all trans is, it, it has nothing to do with, it, it's, it, it, it breaks down to another, another binary or trinary or some other thing because now it's, it's I'm this, then I'm not that once I decide that I'm not that. And then I'm this other thing. But then to a lesbian, you're, if you were a man that went to a woman or you just say you are a woman because you have mental illness or you have trans illness, that doesn't fly for the lesbian woman because that's not what they're talking about. You're literally out there on your own. Lesbian, gay, bi, straight, all can talk to each other. But this other thing doesn't, it doesn't, it can't be fit mm. into it because it, it's, it's completely, it's like. Interesting. It's like fake. it is playing by different rules. Like, and I think that's just one way to think about it. Like we're all in a social community. Like we all have to abide by certain rules and understandings that we share as a community. And it's like, you are trying to 
invent new rules. Like these are the rules and understandings we all share in this community. But it's like you are trying to use new rules that like we, everyone else has not agreed to if you just think about yeah, yeah, it's utterly people. destructive. It's completely destructive to the other communities. If they ha- if they buy into it, it destroys that community because it doesn't. None of that fits anymore. Like if a lesbian is a woman who likes women, straight is a either or likes the opposite, and then I mean, gay is man likes man. What is trans? Trans is not about what you like. It's about who you are. It's a totally different scale. It's not measuring the same kind of thing. It doesn't include lesbian, gay, bi, straight. That's not in there because it's not about what you like. It's not about what partner you hmm. think you would like. It's about what you are. And that's not, that's something totally fucking different. It's not the same. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not on the scale. That's a different knob. That's a knob about, personality or something it's not about sexual preference which is what straight lesbian gay and bi are being trans is about what i am and if it's not about that guess who you could add another letter to straight lesbian gay bi you could add like whatever letter you want and it could be people who like trans people because you know what there are people out there that do like that so you can be not trans but like you could be a dude. You're not trans. You're you're regular dude, because it's you're not straight, gay, bi, lesbian. It's not because you're. This is about personal identity, just like being trans is about personal identity. So I'm a dude, and then now, what's my sexual preference? I like dudes that dress like women and say they are women and act like women. That's a sexual yeah. preference, but it's it's not trans. So what is trans on this other scale of sexual preferences? It's nothing. It's not on that scale because it's not about the same thing. It is interesting. Yeah, I mean, even the identity portion of it, because I would say, like, I don't really think that, and I mean, maybe gay, lesbian, bi has become this, but at least I don't experience it as, like, an identity. Like, it's just a, it's a qualifier about the kind of relationship someone has with other people, maybe. It's it's a description of a personal fact. Like, what I'm asking you about what sexual preference, like, what do you like? sexually as it relates to the sexes right and I then guess, you have yeah. a, and then you have a straightforward answer this or that or this or that it does seem it's like simple. the trans it's like you don't it doesn't require any relationship with other people where i yeah, feel it doesn't like require sexuality at all the lgb does and i mean maybe i i guess i could see some new age people being like well you could be lesbian without actually having any relationships lesbian relationships makes no or sense. whatever but then it's like That's, what does it mean what? then then you're not a lesbian i'm a i'm a lesbian but i like men it's like well then i you don't you're not a lesbian like to be a lesbian because we invented a word to be that know, this yeah. is it describes oh, something extremely specific so confusing. i think it's very i think it's totally simple and that everybody's just literally confused be, literally they're just being confused by a spell and the spell is called lgbtqia that's the spell they put it out there it's words you spell it it's fucking people's minds they've been t- it's like saying apples oranges bananas pipe wrench and then that just gets pumped into the culture 
And then eventually everybody starts going, no, you know, because Piper Inch is, is like, it's like other fruits. And you're like, what? No, it's not. And But it's everyone thinks that now. Like they all think Piper Inch is, no, because apple, banana, lemon, Piper Inch. And you're like, no, that's not right. The only reason you think that is because somebody said it and then everybody mm, said we've it. We've got this but, acronym. Uh, but otherwise, you'd never think that. You would never go, nobody, there's always been trannies. There's always been cross-dressers. Always. No one's ever thought, like some cross-dressers were gay and some weren't, so they say. Yeah. But like, so no mm. one no one ever thought like, oh yeah, you could be lesbian because you like you're a woman that likes women. You could be gay because you're a man that likes a man. Or you could be a cross-dresser because you like putting on dresses. It's like, what? That's like pipe wrench. Like, what are you talking about? That's, we're not talking about clothes over here, dude. We're not talking about how you present. Like, not every lesbian has a buzz cut and wears cargo shorts. Some of them do. And that is very lesbian-like to do that. But like, some girls are not built that way and don't cut their hair that way. And they're still lesbians because it has absolutely nothing to do with their presentation and the gays who are against grooming and the gays that are for grooming are different kinds of gays. The gays that are against grooming are people that are in the gay category. The ones that are for it are trying to figure out their, they still think pipe wrench. Like they literally still think they're confused. They're putting on it, it for them. It's about identity persona well, it's almost uh, like, yeah, it's image. become a catch-all term for, like, any non-normative identity. It's like anything that's not the ideal, which would, I guess, be heterosexual monogamy, is like, now we can put it into the alphabet acronym and call that a community. And it's like, but that's not a community. Like, these people hardly share anything. Like, even just lesbian and gay, I don't understand how we can even be in the same community because it's like literally a bunch of women who like women and a bunch of men who like men. And it's like, we really don't share just, all that yeah. much other than that we're not, we're all not straight, but that's not something we share. That's just something we're all not. So. Yeah, it's like, literally it's like, <laughs> a third gender which doesn't exist because it doesn't follow any of the rules it's like if if it's like if you were counting to f to 3 and then you'd think 4 would be next or something but instead you go 1 2 3 somehow 3 all of a sudden just expands infinitely and you're like why i get stuck on 3 and then and then and then we start we can count these numbers this way or this way or this way it's like but <laughs> Really, four is next, no matter what. This is something else happening because if you start, I've said it the easy way, but if you start going down the ide the ideology and you go, okay, sure, LGBT, but T means all sorts of shit. Like, because now you have to fit that new thing back into one of the other categories, but those categories don't ex are going to reject what's going on here because it it's not that scale doesn't exist for them so because once you're trans now okay that's an identity or something what about sexually and if you say well i'm a male who's yeah intact, and you know what i mean it just that's no, there's when no it becomes conceptual because clarity. you're trying to describe something that's not real 
Yeah. At least with these groups, it's like there's no consistency around like categorization. It's like what these are not like Misi groups, mutually exclusive, collectively exhaustive. It's not like kind of like the sexuality. It's like that is a, a group that's like conceptually clear. It's like men can be attracted to women, men can be attracted to men, women can be attracted to women. You know, and it's like that's about all the categories in that conceptual hierarchy and mode of perception and thinking. And then it's like we have to you know, get out of that to like start coming up with these other categories. But then it's like when you lump them all together, they lack conceptual coherence or cognitive coherence. And I think that that is. Which yeah, is generally a sign that you're confusing. wrong in every other aspect of reality. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Like lions are not in the canine <laughs> genus. They're well, not, you would think, yeah, the these things aren't related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, I just, it doesn't work there. So anyways, I think that's, we've done that topic enough, but that was a anyway. better top take on it than we've had before, so. Yeah. Uh, I can edit this one. I think the first hour's gone. Yeah, Whoop. just cut it out. Just start with Salvia. Yeah.